Hello, everyone. On many occasions during the monthly Mystery Composer Quiz, we have come across composers who are both well-known and perhaps a little more obscure. We certainly have had Edvard Grieg as one of them. But today, this being Edvard Grieg's, Edvard Grieg's birthday, I thought we would concentrate on some of the things that he wrote that are not so frequently performed. We, don't hardly, we hardly ever get a chance to listen to them, to feature them, not even during a mystery composer quiz. So let me bring you a program today, which I call, are you ready for this? It's Grieg to me. I'd like to begin with a legendary story which Grieg entoned. Namely, he wrote two works on subjects from the old saga of Olaf Tryggvason, King of Norway, who ruled for five turbulent years from 995 to 1000. He was the grandson of the Christian Danish king, and having spent quite a few years in Russia as a boy, he sailed the Baltic as a Viking in his youth. And he came to England in the 990s, and there he fought with the Danish armies. He was converted to Christianity in 994 by, so it is said, a hermit in one of the islands, and he returned home to Norway to claim the throne in 995, determined to convert his pagan countrymen to Christianity. One of these two scores which result from this saga is known as Landkjenning, the sighting of land. I won't bother you with a translation of it. We're going to hear it sung in this little cantata which is extracted from the score. The recognition of land, Landkjenning, and this is going to be performed by the London Symphony Orchestra and the Oslo Philharmonic Chorus. Now, as you listen to it, you'll hear the original Norwegian, and you hear the grandiose, majestic style of Edvard Grieg. <laughs>
What a stirring work this is. This is one of two scores based on the adventures of Olaf Trikvason of the first century of Norwegian saga. Now, this is the first of the two works, Landkening, or the recognition of the land, which was written for a bazaar held in the castle of Akersus in Oslo for the benefit of a renovation of the Cathedral of Trondheim. It was built in the 14th century, destroyed quite a few times by fire. And in the middle of the last century, work had begun in, in earnest to renovate the church. And in 1872, the famed Norwegian poet, Björnstjen Björnson had written a song and Grieg was commissioned to compose music. And he only had a very short time to do it. And the next year he made quite a few alterations and in 1881 worked thoroughly on the whole piece, orchestrated, orchestrated the accompaniment for symphony orchestra. That's the way you heard it now. This is the cantata known as the recognition of the land as Trikvason approached the coast of his beloved Norway. All right, let's go on with unusual Grieg, not too often heard. Grieg wrote three sonatas for violin and piano. The first one in F major, this was in 1865, gave him his first contact with success, and Liszt found it to give evidence of a powerful logically creative, ingenious, and excellent constructive talent for composition, said Liszt. And then the second one in G major was written a month after Grieg's marriage to Nina Hagerub, who was his cousin. This marriage was an extremely happy one, and undoubtedly Grieg's happiness is reflected in the ardent, romantic spirit of the work. And then comes the famous C minor sonata, the third one. We're going to hear the last movement of the first, the one in F major, performed by Bela Davidovich and her son, Dmitri Sitkovetsky. Thank you. 
Last movement of the Sonata Number no. One in F Major for violin and piano by Grieg. One of the less performed of the three. It's usually the C minor that we hear. In this program entitled today, it's Grieg to me. Compositions by Edvard Grieg, not too frequently heard. It's not unusual to realize that Grieg, who wrote many orchestra pieces, should have also written the symphony. He did so when he was 20 years of age. But the last time that piece was performed was in 1867. And there it was played by the Bergen Symphony Orchestra in Bergen, Norway. And then from 1880 to 1882, this orchestra was conducted by Grieg himself. So it is perhaps only fitting that that same orchestra should have been accorded the honor of playing the symphony at the second world premiere in 1981. Why? Because Grieg didn't want it performed during his lifetime, for one reason or other. I think you will agree that it's time that this work be heard and not be laid or remain tucked away in the Bergen Public Library for generations, as it had been. So it becomes accessible to students and to researchers that it always was, but it was banned for public performance. And the responsibility rests with Grieg and Grieg alone. After he passed away, it was finally unearthed. We're going to hear the Scherzo movement performed by the Bergen Symphony under the conductorship of Karsten Andersen.
portion of the work which was long hidden to the world at Grieg's own request. During his lifetime, it was not to be performed. You heard the scherzo movement of his symphony, performed by the Berrigan Symphony Orchestra. Nor is this the only composition in large-scale design. We already mentioned the three violin sonatas, violin and piano. Certainly the piano concerto would follow in the footsteps of a large design. That was written in, let me see, in 1868 at the age of 35. And before that, at the age of 32, barely 32, there's a piano sonata. And this piano sonata dedicated to the Danish composer Gade, G-A-D-E. The first movement particularly has a certain drama which is typical of the, shall I say, the inhibition which is often caused by the awesome sonata form. And yet Grieg overcame it in his own dramatic and very personal way. I'd like to have you listen to the gifted young French pianist Daniel Laval, L-A-V-A-L, as she performs for us the first movement of the piano sonata, which Grieg wrote in 1865.
Let's also listen to the slow movement of the Grieg Sonata. Did you hear the similarity with so many of the lyric pieces in this lovely second movement of the Piano Sonata, Opus 7, in E minor, by Edvard Grieg? You heard the first two movements, performed by the young French pianist Daniel Laval, in this program of less-known compositions by Grieg today, honoring his birthday, program which I have entitled 
it's Grieg to me. I think most of us know that Grieg wrote incidental music for the Ibsen drama Per Gint. Well, he also wrote incidental music for another drama, this time by Björnson, the other great Norwegian poet, entitled Sigurd Jorsalfar. Now, this is the name of the hero of a 12th century drama. He was the king, and he joined the Crusades, and the play with Greek's music was produced in what used to be Christiana, now Oslo, in 1872. Grieg revised the score, and we are going to hear, I hope we have time for two portions, from the suite extracted from that incidental music to Björnson's Sigurd Jorsalfar. Music by Grieg.
Well, we made it at least through the Vorspiel, through the prelude to the drama Sigurd Jorsalfar, the music extracted from the incidental music to the drama Björnson by Grieg. There is so much that Grieg wrote that somehow we don't know. We think of his lyric pieces, we think of Per Gind, and of course the piano concerto, and that's about where it ends. And so I thought for once we would devote some time to the less known pieces, the less performed pieces, in this program entitled today, It's Grieg to Me. We spoke of Per Gint, we think of Per Gint, for this is really one of the finest scores the Greek wrote. Per Gint is Ibsen's symbolic poetical drama. It was first produced in 1867, and the hero is a character out of Norse folklore who in the Ibsen play is a vain, boastful egotist and a chronic liar. He lives alone with his aged mother, Ossie, and invades the wedding ceremony of his former girlfriend, Ingrid, abducts her to the mountains, and after Ingrid deserts him, Pear becomes an outlaw and goes through various experiences, including one with a troll king's daughter, you should never do that, in the hall of the mountain king. <laughs> and when the trolls attack him, Pear is saved by the sound of church bells. They sent the trolls scurrying away in fright. So he sets up home in a hut in the woods, and there he's followed by the lovely Solveig, who is in love with him, and he soon deserts her to return home for Ossie's death. And then he's off again, spends the next quarter, at least quarter of uh, a century, in America, in Morocco, in Egypt, and when he comes home again, he is an old, wasted man who finds redemption through the fidelity and devotion of Solveig. We're going to hear the last two portions from Peer Gint, namely the uh, prelude to Act Five, the return of Peer Gint and the storm scene, and then Solveig's cradle song one of the loveliest pieces of music Grieg ever wrote.
sung in the original Norwegian language by the Finnish soprano, Taru Valjaka, and preceded by the storm scene. These were the last two portions from the incidental music from Grieg's Per Gint, written for the Ibsen drama. You heard this performed by the Dresden State Orchestra, conducted by Herbert Blomstedt. 